Cast and Chat Radio, designed just for you. Welcome to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio, a weekly look at all the buzz surrounding autonomous vehicles, drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, the show is not legal advice, nor representation of any employer, or of me, or my guests. Instead, it's just a discussion and the ramblings of a redhead and her guests. In today's show, we're going to take a look at all of the technology that is coming out in the Internet of Things and pick up a little bit from last week's show where we talked about how your Internet of Things, your connected devices are listening and how they may capture information and details you didn't know they were going to do. Well, Of course, since the show aired, a plethora of information has been released via WikiLeaks going into a little bit more detail of various alleged CIA programs. So we were timely without even knowing it. So we're going to build on that discussion later in the show with an expert who conducts social engineering as part of his security testing. Joe Gray is going to join us and talk about some of the information that he gathers as part of his security testing as it relates to not necessarily your devices, but the information that we're broadcasting and putting out there. It's a topic we have discussed on a couple different episodes, but really connecting the dots between what our devices are listening to and what we're adding or filling in the blanks ourselves. But before then, we're going to get into the bust or must for this week. And as tends to be the case. There is a lot going on and certainly some topics worth paying attention to. The first is going to be, well, it's a mixed bag because anytime we're encouraging selfies via drone, I don't know that I can wholeheartedly call that a must. Instead, it's probably more aligned with a bust, but the selfie drone uh, produced by Zero Tech, which is a pocket-sized drone that has movement, your movements, your gestures can help guide its flight. It had a price drop from $399 to $349. So it's nice to see the technology adjusting to the market pricing, but again, I don't know that I can wholeheartedly encourage anyone to take selfies more so with the dreaded selfie stick or a selfie drone. But speaking of drones, there is a definite must that is coming out of the Atlanta area 
in the form of a high school, Grady High School, their G3 robotics team, has started, or this is the, I believe, fourth year, maybe the third year, of the G3 robotics drones for good competition. High school students invite middle school students from all over the state to compete in a STEM competition where the students in grades six through eight work with mentors and build their own and program their own drones. This year, the competition has 34 teams from middle schools all over Georgia that will be competing in the final competition on March 25th, but I encourage everyone to check out this program itself. You can find out more on G, the letter G, 3, the number 3, robotics.com, and scroll through. It's the drones for good, but anytime you have students helping students that is a good thing and a definite must. Yours truly will be one of the judges at the competition, and we'll have more information and more stories from the competition on a later show. So that's a little bit of a teaser for that as well. But another must is SpaceX received an updated uh, license from the FAA on March 1st for the Falcon 9 to do testing and flights from Kennedy Space Center. So continued best wishes for the SpaceX program, but keep your eyes to the sky because they are cleared for takeoff under this new uh, license with the FAA that's good for one year. Well, we can't do too many must without getting into a bust. And in this case, the bust comes to us from across the pond in France. And what they've done is the hovercraft from Flyboard Air that for the last year has been cutting-edge technology that has been flying in and around France, as well as other places, well, the French have decided that it's a no-go. They're grounding uh, the Frankie Zapata's uh, flights, and in this case, uh, they're opening an investigation for his failure to comply with the minimum rules for overflight and operation of an aircraft without the quote-unquote necessary qualifications. And it had France's decision to basically ground the flyboard air hovercraft in France itself highlights part of the issues with innovation. When you have inventors with new technology that they want to, in this case, literally get off the ground. And with the hovercraft, it's a jet propulsion of air down that allows the craft to hover a few meters from the ground. But when you have these breakthrough technologies, how do you create an environment where they can develop? And to quote a story from The Verge, it says, when an 
invention sees the light of day, the Ch- Americans merchandise it, the Chinese copy it, the Europeans regulate it, and the French ban it. And The Verge, in this case, was quoting the liberal-leaning website ContraPoints that uh, really brings to light. When's the last time you saw the French permitting and encouraging innovation? That when it happens, you should encourage it, not discourage it. So they are working with the regulatory process in France to see what can be done to get the approvals. But until then... He's banned in his own country. Well, without those busts, there's also a bust that was part of the discussion last week, and it gets into the really looking at what your Siri, Amazon Echo, what the Allo, what all these home, you know, convenience, giving up privacy for convenience. Well, what happens when Google, Echo, Siri, law enforcement wants to find out what you've been saying? In this case, uh, Google's mobile messaging app had a flaw that apparently has or allegedly has been fixed to some degree, but it still gets a bust because when you are... In conversation, it would give away some of your prior search history that it would connect with and link to prior searches that you may not have wanted your friends to know about or the person in conversation with you. Also can be important where if law enforcement is nearby and is part of an otherwise, you know, Fourth Amendment search and seizure, or perhaps if you're traveling and someone can trigger if your screen isn't locked and request information, your phone will rat you out. Your devices will rat you out if you don't have the proper settings. So keep that in mind when using these because one of the interesting things to come out of the push for echo data is What happens when the company is, the information is being requested in this case, or in one case, by the North Carolina Department of Revenue, wants to know what customers are purchasing, wants your customer purchase history? Well, if they can get it from another source, be it Amazon from the Echo, be it from just a search, What happens then? What are your expectations of privacy? And will the the companies offer up the data? One of the points that Google has been raising is that they will push back. But how far? And when you walk into a friend's home or an unfamiliar thing, do you need to test the theory of whether their devices are on? I've seen the joke cartoon that is a little tongue-in-cheek, that as someone walks into the room, they say, you know, Amazon, Alexa, you know, what, tell me this, tell me that, to basically test. I mean, we put tape over or... You know, covers over cameras. We 
turn off and deactivate other things. But when we're having a conversation at home with friends that have been invited into our house, do we need to test to see if these devices are automatically, you know, is the Samsung TV listening? Or do we need to, in some cases, unplug the devices depending on the conversation? That kind of operational security or just privacy protection in our own home only goes so far. It goes to the devices that we know are recording, that we have set to record, as some of the jokes that have come out around the uh, CIA, WikiLeaks, there are devices that are recording that we didn't even realize. So with all of that in mind right now, privacy is getting a little bit of a bust, as are these devices, that the security hasn't been, and some of the features haven't been really set up to protect us. It'll be interesting to see whether the FTC or other groups start investigating those security settings and requiring a little more robust warnings for each of those. But those are some of the issues that we'll get into and what we inadvertently disclose with our guest joining us right after this commercial break, Joe Gray. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Find us each Wednesday online and podcasts available. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. And as promised, today we are chatting with Joe Gray, hot off his recent presentation at B-Sides Indie. And Joe, you're, before we get a good introduction, first of all, welcome to the show, but 
your talk really struck a nerve in some of the things we had been discussing on last week's Buzz Off show with Dave Maynard. When it comes to our IoT devices that are listening, but it's not just those devices. I mean, everything we do is listening, capturing, and engineering information out of us. And so, welcome and care to share what you were discussing at Besides Indy. Sure. So, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and you know, I'm happy to to take some time and talk about this to help uh, the public as a whole. So, the main talking points from my uh, presentation at Besides Indy it, it all revolves around the eyes of a penetration tester. So, someone who is an ethical hacker, someone who gets paid uh, to hack client companies. And most often when those engagements occur, there's a certain social engineering element to it. Uh, social engineering being human hacking uh, is trying to elicit the victim to either provide some sort of data, such as some sensitive data or a better target, or to perform an action such as change the firewall, click the link, uh, or what have you. So really it's what we think of in the movies where the cute blonde goes to chat up the cashier so that her you know, partner in crime can get the information or swipe the credit card. I mean, it's that kind of yes. uh, non, not non-technical, but it's how to elicit information or reaction that the person may not even be aware they're giving. Absolutely. And actually, um, you heard it first here. On advancedpersistentsecurity.net, my blog, I'm actually starting a series. I don't know when it's going to start. I'm churning up ideas for social engineering the silver screen. And I'm going to point out specific scenarios within specific movies so that people can understand exactly how it went down and what elements were in play. Uh, right off the top of my head, I can give you two spoilers right now. One is Home Alone, the original movie, when Harry dresses like a cop and goes door to door talking to all the families to find out about their holiday plans. Um, uh, well, I was going to say, and uh, as a point of personal privilege, we t- spoke, David and I spoke on the last episode of Buzz Off about the movie Sneakers. And how passwords and how you were they were trying to record different things with voices. But that would seem to me a great movie for you to cover as well. Absolutely. Sneakers, it it is actually on the list. Uh, Here's another one for you. It's a little cliche, but catch me if you can. It it chronicles the life of Frank Abigail. Uh, He actually did all this stuff that was part of his life. He got caught. He went to jail. When he got out, he got a job with the FBI, and now he helps them with fraud cases and designs secure checks. So, you know, that's if you really want to see how social engineering and pretexting works, those are two resources I would begin with. But, you know, to go a little bit further with that, the talk itself actually talked about open source intelligence gathering and how you can collect good open source intelligence on your target, be it the target company or the employees of said company, so that you're no longer just doing a spray and pray, as I call it, mass email phishing attack. You're actually able to hone in and do targeted spear phishing. And because you have some sort of context about the person, you know a little bit about how they tick and what what's going on with them, you're able to actually come up with a better scenario that makes them a little bit more apt to 
actually take the bait and click the fish. And, and it all relies on uh, the six principles of persuasion, which is the core fundamentals of applied human psychology, as well as social engineering. And so what are some of these six principles? I mean, this sounds highly technical, but they're not as complicated as one might think, are they? They are absolutely not complicated. So you have authority, likability, commitment and consistency, social proof, scarcity and urgency, and I'm forgetting the sixth one. Let me pull my slide up. We'll edit this. No big deal. Any other time I could rattle it off. (laughs) Of course. Reciprocity. Commitment and consistency, social proof, likability, authority, and urgency scarcity are those six principles. See, it's really not that technical at all. Think of the last time you purchased a used car. Oh, dear. You know, I am terrible at buying cars. And and with that being said, this is something that might be a little bit controversial, but not controversial in in the traditional sense. I'm going to pose a question for you. What is the difference between social engineering and sales? Oh, I'd say not very much at all. The intent. That's it. Uh, It makes sense. I mean, ultimately, you're trying to use information. I mean, uh, bond, uh, not just sales, but, I mean, customer service, uh, politicians. You know, if you trust me then you'll vote for me, and you don't even have to necessarily trust me. You have to like me or see me in an authoritative figure, of course. Look at me. I ride the subway, or uh, if you do this, I will return the favor like so, or uh, scarcity. You know, I've only got a a 10-point lead on, on my opponent. You must vote now to keep something out. It's as if you had read my junk mail folder in my email inbox for, what, the last three years. I mean... And who's to say I haven't? Well, hey, hey, there is no telling what kind of phishing scams I may have fallen for. And that's very true. But I I do have to ask you a question before we move on about phishing, uh, and that is, is your refrigerator running? Ha, ha, ha. No. No, I... I'm curious if, if it is or it isn't because I can't log into it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that was one of the things that everyone was, uh, I say everyone, uh, a certain uh, Trump advisor was receiving a little bit of pushback for her comment that microwaves are listening and paying attention. But as we've talked about on Buzz Off Show before, if it's connected, IOT, and the WikiLeaks uh, CIA you know, alleged dump, everything can listen. I'll put it this way. If it has an IP address, it can listen. I was at Home Depot a while back, and I saw they had Bluetooth-enabled water heaters. And I fired my nope cannon right at it because there, there are some things that might be useful to control via Bluetooth, like, for example, a barbecue or a smoker if you're really lazy. That can, I mean, that's negotiable. But a water heater, I don't, I don't see any valid purpose, especially considering it was a gas-powered water heater. I see absolutely no reason why it should have a networked connection whatsoever. So no. anything with an IP address, really. 
some things have listening interfaces that you don't know about. Here's a great example. So to talk a little bit about the keynote speaker from B-Sides Indie, just as an example, when the lineup for B-Sides Indie came out, I was talking with some of my coworkers, and I said, Jason Street at Pony Express is going to be the keynote. Well, all of a sudden, I'm seeing Pony Express ads on my Facebook. And now that I've mentioned it and my phone's within earshot, I'm probably going to continue to see them. I heard Valerie Thomas talk at B-Sides Huntsville about uh, manipulating uh, physical security measures and cloning uh, proximity cards, the, the HID brand. Well, now I see HID ads nonstop on my LinkedIn. Thanks, Valerie, if you're listening. And thanks, Jason, if you're listening as well. Well, and that's one of the things that gets highlighted with all. I mean, the Federal Trade Commission is coming down on Samsung and Vizio and some of the TVs because they're always recording, perhaps even if you've disabled or thought you had disabled the listening aspect. And, you know, one of the things we had also highlighted last week was the Carly dolls, that you have all these toys that are listening. So now that these things are listening, it doesn't have to be as high-tech, though, for the social engineering, because what you're saying is we don't even have to be connected. You can already find a way to get it, get that information. Chances are, if I'm doing a social engineering engagement at work, if I'm calling you, I already know some stuff about you. Because there, there's two ways I'm going to get this information. Number one, we typically have an open source intelligence portion of the engagement where I am pointed at a target, an organization, and told to gather whatever I can gather. And with that, if I gather employees or user lists, I go back to the client and I say, this is what I found. And they will say, you can use this target list uh, for your pretexting calls, or that's really nice information. Thank you for finding it. Here's the target list I want you to use. And well, then from how there, do you create these? How do you create these target lists? Is it based on just a Google search of individual names, or it gets so much further than Google? So I use a few tools. Uh, I have no problem sharing the tools because, well. They're pretty well known. I will use uh, Recon NG and Maltigo and occasionally Datasploit as tools to collect information. From there, I can input the name of the organization, and it will actually scour and look for names associated with it and build basically mind maps to show who's connected to whom. And then from there, I will go and search for the company name on LinkedIn. Because the thing is, people typically over-embellish everything on LinkedIn. Everybody is the director of something. Oh, I'm definitely the queen of my own universe. Absolutely. I mean, there's a phrase I would like to use on my LinkedIn, but, you know, I like to keep it PG just because, you know, I like to joke about things. But with that being said, I'll check LinkedIn. Or if I'm going at it from the perspective of, say, an angry client, I will go on Facebook and I will look for disgruntled client posts that are public. So, and at that point, I have, uh, that's how I'm going to initially build the names list. There are a few other tools, a few other advanced ways using tools like Maltigo or ReconNG that I can gather more names. But that's typically a really good starting point. And for most organizations, I, I collect a lot of names that way. Then, you know, obviously sometimes the organization will say, Here's the client list we want you to call. Or here's a list of people, names and phone numbers and email addresses. Pick 10. 
or whatever. And then at that rate, I do that, and then I go back to the drawing board, and I go back to LinkedIn, and I looked up, I look up these people. I see if I can find them on Facebook. I check websites like OsentFramework.com, uh, Justin Nordine's project, or Michael Basil's project, IntelTechniques.com. Uh, which he just came out with a, a new operating system. I'm actually having him and his partner uh, on my podcast, I believe, uh, we're recording next week to uh, discuss the tool uh, Buscador, I think is the correct pronunciation for it. But at that point, I'm going to develop a profile on the target. I'm going to understand, with, with regards to the target, I, I'm going to understand that you know, I'm going to know... What their sports, their favorite sports team is, what their marital status is, what really makes them tick, their favorite restaurant. Because I'm not going to go out and actually talk to someone in a restaurant. For the most part, my engagements with work deal with emails and phone calls. But if I'm having a phone call with someone and I have something that can actually resonate with them and pull those heartstrings, I'll do it. For example, I actually had a, one of the uh, engagements I took part in. We called a single dad. We knew he was a single dad, so we had the sound of a baby crying in the background as we pleaded with him to unlock our bank account from Walmart. That That is pretty sneaky. We're talking with Joe Gray, and Joe, we will have to pick up more of that after this first, or actually second commercial break on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Find us each Wednesday on America's Web Radio or podcasts available on americaswebradio.com or iTunes, Lawyer Liz. And before the break and on the show, we are talking with Joe Gray on social engineering and some of the operational and other information that people are really willing to give away without much prodding. 
And so before the break, Joe, you were talking about a test y'all were doing where you had found out it was a single father, you're playing music, in the, or not music, but a clip of audio in the background of this call of a baby crying. I mean, that's, I'd say low, but how did it's it turn resistor. out? He actually stuck to his guns. He was nearly in tears. Uh, we we went at it with him for about 35 to 45 minutes. Uh, if we had have actually collected better open source intelligence on who we were purporting to be, we may have been able to crack the walls down. But he stuck to his guns, and because we weren't feeding him any legitimate information about a customer back, he eventually just stuck to his guns uh, in the report, we we actually called him out by name, uh, giving him kudos, uh, of which with that same organization, I can't say the same for a C-level executive that received the next phone call after our next target. So we had two determined targets. One was the single father, and the other was someone who had recently gotten married. We knew she was a very heavy sharer on Facebook. We knew where she got married, to whom she was married to, we knew who her wedding photographer was, her her husband's favorite sports team, her favorite restaurants, everything. We knew enough about her. We even knew the nickname that her nieces had for her. So we could have really pulled on her heartstrings had she answered the phone. <laughs> and all of this from information she had publicly facing. So, or was her Facebook and other were those other accounts locked down? No, it was public because my, my personal policy, unless requested by the client, and this is something that even then I would probably kind of push back on, I will not create a fake profile and befriend someone to get access to privileged information because I know how I would feel about it if I went to work uh, tomorrow and my employer had something to say about something I had posted to my Facebook and I had... I'm very private with my own. If you're not my friend, you're not going to see anything. And even if you are my friend, you might not see anything because I'm just very secretive about things. But on the same token, I also don't befriend colleagues on Facebook. I have one friend that I work with that is a Facebook friend, but he was a Facebook friend before he got the job. So if I were going to vent about work on Facebook, I would, number one, make sure that it was in a venue where... It could not escape, and I would even keep him from seeing it. So I won't cross that boundary. Everything I use is publicly accessible. If if I have to be your friend or your connection, I I won't use it. Well, and that's so, a that's a good takeaway for those listening who may not already be in the technology industry. But it's take a moment to look at. You know, not only your devices to make sure that you've turned off to the extent you can control whether your devices are constantly recording or listening, but look at your social media and you don't have to be silent, but have those accounts set to friends only. Be a little more cautious about who you're accepting friend requests from, that if you have no friends in co- or connections in common per, and you don't know with certainty that that is indeed the person they say they are, then don't accept the LinkedIn request. Don't accept the you know, Facebook request and don't post it because you raise a very Absolutely. good point. Employers have the ability even, and there are people who have complained about a job on social media and then 
found themselves relieved of the you know, problem solved, you no longer have that job. So I, right. I appreciate y'all not taking that approach when you're conducting these tests. But what are some of the other ways that you mentioned, you know, establishing the authority? I mean, what are some of the tricks that have worked that you didn't expect to work? So we, like I said, with this specific engagement, we had two targets, the, the single father and then the newlywed. When she didn't answer the phone, we contacted our resource within the organization, and we were told, pick someone else off the list. So what we did is we actually spoofed an internal phone number and claimed to be someone from another department. We called a senior executive at the C-level, and we gave him a story about some someone we went to church with and they were trying to get an internship at the FBI, and they needed data. And through the open source intelligence, we actually found out that this organization had suffered, uh, I'm not going to say a data breach, but uh, a similar type of event. I'm keeping this as vague as possible on purpose. Absolutely, to protect the innocent or the idiotic. Uh, So we determined there was an event that had occurred a few months before, and the pretext we used was this this college student was doing research about those types of events, and other organizations had shot him down. And this was basically the last hope, and he really needed it. He was a sharp kid. He was going to go to law school. He really wanted that internship at the FBI so he could better understand criminal justice. And the gentleman, the, the target, he obliged and said, just have him email me. Okay, do you want us to have him email your work address? Sure. Can you verify what that is? Sure, here's what it is. Seven minutes and some change later, I had an email coming from someone purporting to be a law, you know, it was, the email address was something lawyer 2020 because he, the pretext was he was a sophomore. Four years from your sophomore year would be when you finish your JD. And we, we sent him an email. And it, it was a very benign link. It was an obfuscated link. Uh, we used Bitly for it, uh, bit.ly. And all it did is it went to a website that we run and maintain, and it did what is called a get request, which is the general way that a website interacts. But we had embedded something specific within the get request that we were able to tell that it was uniquely him. So he clicked this link about 15 times. Then we see it from another IP address, which we, we believe to be his cell phone. Shortly thereafter, he responds to the email address and says, Hey, buddy, that link doesn't work. Can you send it to me as a file? Absolutely. So we send send him a macro-enabled Word document. So when he opened this Word document, it looked really fuzzy in the background, and you have to click Enable to be able to see what's in the background. The thing is, what's in the background is fuzzy, and, well... You know, it's it's never going to get better. And when you click that, it does grant us access to your system. I, so, I thought you were going to say that you rickrolled him at that point and had Rick Astley. You know, I would love to do so, but we really don't rickroll in the professional environment. We typically slink away like uh, stealth in the night after we're done. Uh, the only indication that the person has actually been compromised is in the report. Uh, unless unless there's an immediate need for debriefing, if if I if I sense that there's a, a certain level of psychological harm or you know that the that the target is unstable about something uh, that I've taken it a little bit too far, which I'm human, it could happen. It hasn't happened thus far, but I have a plan just in case it ever does. You know, I would immediately debrief them and put that in the report. But with this specific target, it gets even better. 
So he responds again and he says, hey, that email, that document you sent me, it opened the first time. I clicked it. Uh, it didn't get any better, so I closed it and tried to reopen it again, and my virus protection stopped it. Do you have another file? <laughs> oh, no. So then we sent him an executable that was disguised as an Excel file, and yeah. So, so pretty much you, you owned every device this poor person had in the every format. The possibility could exist in that. And uh, a slight statistic that I've observed with senior-level executives, most of them have local administrator privileges to their workstations. And because of that, that allows uh, these pieces of software and exploits to do a little bit of extra damage when it's coming from an account that has administrative access. So what are some take-homes even just from that scenario of ways people could defend or just know to think or look twice, think twice sure. if they're getting stuff. So if you get a phone call like that, here's how you, you – one simple act would have squashed that entire scenario. If he would have said, oh, absolutely, you know, I, I have no problem with it, but you know what? I'm stepping into a meeting. Can I call you back in about 25 minutes? He would have called the number we spoofed back, and the lady in that department would be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So if in doubt, uh, try to disconnect and then you be the one to reestablish the connection? Absolutely. Get the phone number to call them back and write it down. Google it. Make sure it's legitimate uh, or somewhat close to legitimate. (laughs) As best you can tell. Sometimes I'm I'm really close. Um, And then from there, call them back. If they don't know what you're talking about, you did the right thing. I get calls from my bank. Uh, Like, for example, my credit card number was stolen. I got a call from a random number that's not my bank's normal number. And I was like, "Um, okay. I hung up. I called the bank back. I authenticated. I knew it was the bank. And they said, oh, yeah, we were calling you uh, to verify that you had legitimately put a change of address in. I was like, yes, I have. Thank you very much. Well, that's that's good to know that they're they're confirming that. Now, when it comes to the emails that are arriving, what are some of the things yes. you can do to verify that it is who it says it is? So from a technical perspective, if you want to get very technical, you can look at the header of the email and verify the IP address. Uh, understanding that your audience is not purely technical uh, to kind of make it more for the layperson, look at the grammar. A lot of these emails are coming from overseas. They don't have the best English. I joke about their English. Um, they may use translation software that will put things in or out of context or it will look wrong. You may see uh, the traditional European spelling of things like organized, not having a Z. It just has an S in it. Stuff like that. Rumor with a U in it. Defense with a C in it as opposed to an S. That type of thing. Look for that. If it looks too good to be true, there's a good chance it is. Um, Google the subject line of the email. If it's related to a specific piece of malware or something that's known, it can very easily flag. That's, um, I'll say that's excellent I, I, advice that there are certainly a lot of uh, repositories or people collecting and publishing that information that Googling just the subject line would be enough to flag, you know, raise an alarm. Yes. And actually, if you want, if you have an email that you think is a phishing email, 
Save it as a file and email it to phishing at advancedpersistentsecurity.net. That's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G at advancedpersistentsecurity.net. And I'll take a look at it. I may not be able to get back to you and give you a definitive answer, but I will definitely use it uh, in my research. And, and the final thing that comes with this, just to you know, kind of put the nail the nail in the casket for this, a lot of times it's actually ransomware exploit kits that write these emails automatically. They will have everything put in, and when people write the ransomware, it will actually send out to a spam list. A lot of times when you see the uh, the files attached to it, my, my antivirus protection actually tells me what kind of malware it is. And a lot of the zip files I've been seeing, it's actually Lockheed ransomware. Well, and there you go. That's certainly a, a hot topic with the ransomware. So we'll have to delve into that when we get back from this commercial break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back once again to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, on America's Web Radio. And we have been chatting today with Joe Gray on different uh, OSINT, uh, different social engineering ways that since our devices are listening to us, what else is listening to us and how is this information being gathered about us and what are some of the things we can do to protect ourselves as consumers or if you're researching a competitor what are some of the things you can collect and uh, Joe you mentioned before the break uh, ransomware that a lot of those phishing emails are uh, automatically generated and so are they easier to spot once you know what to look for or is I mean it's the trend of 2016 only growing for 2017. I think the trend's growing. I, I've seen a lot recently. I'm actually thumbing through my uh, advanced persistent security email account right now for some really good ones I've seen. Uh, 
So one I saw came to my advanced persistent security email purporting to be from Amazon. And I almost fell for it because I am a very heavy Amazon user. Absolutely. But here's the thing. They only have support groups for that. They do. Uh, But, you know, some of the outlets I write blogs for, they uh, compensate in Amazon gift cards. So that's how I feel the habit. (laughs) But with that being said, though, you know, I got that one. It came in. And I almost fell for it. And then I realized, oh, this right here, um, yeah, this isn't the account I have registered with Amazon. So uh, good try. Thank you. Um, And then I've gotten another couple ones uh, claiming to be from Delta Airlines with a, 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 it says your flight ticket invoice uh, with some numbers hyphen sales. Um, So inconsistencies should be a red flag. Well, if I were flying somewhere, I probably would have fallen for that one, too, if it went to my other email account, the one that I don't share. But it went to my advanced persistent security email, and that's the email that I give out publicly. If you go to the website, there's links to various uh, email addresses on the website, so they can very, it can very easily be scraped off the Internet, and that's what happened. So, you know, I, I like to fight back and play with the uh, scammers a little bit. So one of them that they sent me from Amazon said that I had an iPhone 7 coming, and it was like the it was actually February 13th, and it said it was going to arrive on February 13th. So I just sat there and I ignored it. And on February 14th, I actually responded to it and said, "Hey, I, this iPhone hasn't arrived yet, but I paid for it. Please advise." They, they never responded, but I got laugh <laughs> out of it. But you know, you've got that kind of stuff. And there's another trend that I see in this a lot as well, besides the busted grammar. And what that really is is the phone numbers. A lot of times the phone numbers will be area code dot prefix dot last four. In the United States, we don't do that. We don't use periods. We, we hyphenate things or we use parentheses and hyphens. Or we just do all one word. Exactly. Uh, so those, those inconsistencies, again, be it formatting, grammar, uh, inconsistent account references, and you... In addition to hosting your own uh, podcast and giving your talks, as we spoke about a little bit earlier, your B-Sides ND, and congratulations uh, are also due because you'll be making your B-Sides Las Vegas debut this summer. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so where can people find out more information uh, that you've you've referenced this Advanced Persistent uh, Security. Uh, can you? What's the website for that again? That is advancedpersistentsecurity.net. And I do write a lot of blogs for other outlets as well. I've written for ITSP Magazine, Alien Vault, Tripwire, uh, CISOcast, Black Hills Information Security, despite being uh, an employee of a competitor. Uh, and I, I write for my parent company, which I'll, I'll talk about them in a, a little bit better detail in a moment. But I, I actually have links to all of those on my website. Also on the website, you can sign up for my mailing list. When you subscribe to that, I try not to send too much. Uh, basically, you get a weekly digest of blogs and podcasts that were pu- published. In addition to that, if a new podcast goes live, you'll be notified the day of or shortly before it goes live. Same thing with new blogs. Same thing with speaking engagements that I have coming up. Uh, it's it's all right there on advancedpersistentsecurity.net. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at C 
underscore three P Joe, just like C three P O, but three P Joe. Uh, C three P O was a social engineer, and so am I. So that's why I took that name. Um, uh, excellent. Excellent. So I guess we just uh, solved the, uh, or at least your answer to the question: Star Trek or Star Wars? Um, this is going to offend a lot of people, but. I'm Star Wars all the way because to me Star Trek feels like Gilligan's Island in space. Well, and they give it away a little too easy. I mean, you look for the red jerseys and you know they're a goner. You know, my first job outside of the Navy, uh, my first supervisor, uh, he liked to haze new employees and he called me a red shirt. Oh dear. Uh, Bless his heart, uh, as we would say in Atlanta. But uh, now, what are some of the, as you're giving all these talks and conducting all this research into the social engineering side, uh, what are some of the other, I mean, you talked about ransomware, we talked a little bit about the uh, phishing and social engineering for engagement, but what are some of the other trends you're seeing for people to be on the lookout? I mean, it's tax season as we're recording this show. Right. So with that, I I do think that I call the flavor of the month. And if I'm going to do an engagement in a specific month, I try to structure around what's going on. So in January and April, I do it around taxes. So I remind people to get their taxes in or accuse them of being late in April. I give out W-2s from a domain of something in uh, January. Uh, In February, I I like to send people uh, valentines and tell them who their secret admirers are. Uh, In March, it's all about St. Patty's Day, Mardi Gras. Um, Or if I so chose to go down that route, which I haven't thus far, uh, I could probably also do something with Lent. But I try to stay away from uh, religious holidays. I I consider that to be kind of off limits. God will strike you down at that point. We all know what karma is. Uh, (laughs) And with that being said, you know, also in May, there's Memorial Day, there's Mother's Day. Uh, in June, you've got Father's Day, you've got the 4th of July, uh, Christmas in July, sales, if you want to go that direction. August, you know, you can really hit people with, like, timeshares, vacation specials. September, you've got um, Labor Day, October, Halloween. Uh, you can give away free turkeys in November, uh, or also Black Friday deals, and then the same goes for e-commerce in December. So, you know, every month you basically could have something if you wanted to go that route. Now, do you ever have people that, if you're doing a testing engagement, that's similar to you wanting to know where where the iPhone was, uh, that are really disappointed that they're not getting that discounted or but they really want to know who their secret admirer high school crush is. Not that, I, not that I've heard of. I, I'm sure there are some, some disappointed people out there. Um, but, you know, it happens, I suppose. Well, absolutely. I mean, you think with Facebook and everything, I mean, we're all connected. It's, of course, somebody wants to give me something. Or, you know, of course, everyone had a crush on me in high school, a super secret crush. Because absolutely. who doesn't and, have crushes on people in the marching band? Oh, absolutely. And, and here, here's one thing that I've not said on the show that really needs to be hammered home. And that is that... In, in this day and age, especially with social media, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., if you're getting something for free, like a product like that, you are the product. 
So just understand that. Uh, and the quicker you come to terms with it and control what you post, the safer you're going to be. Well, that, that drives home even the bigger point of on all of our products that you're giving up for the sake of convenience or something. You're giving up your information, your data, and somewhere there is a balance. And for each individual person, you need to decide, you know, do I use the Waze app or, you know, the Samsung TV voice activation or, you know, knowing that it's just giving that little bit more of my picture to someone, not even for nefarious purposes, but uh, to the marketers. I can, actually, I can actually get metadata out of some social media platforms when you post pictures. Not all of them. Uh, Craigslist and Facebook, for example, take the metadata out, but there are some that don't. And with Ooh, that, I can actually the offenders. Use, um, give away the test- sauce. I've not tested recently, but I had heard that Twitter still allowed it. I've not done theory to practice on that as of yet. But there is this nasty little thing you can do now with Facebook Live. You can actually go to facebook.com slash live map and look at everyone in the world that is public on Facebook Live. And Uh, That bears repeating. And I'm not going to confirm or deny, but there may be a script on a specific uh, website that is not my website that allows you to actually take the video ID and get the latitude and longitude and look at it on Google Maps. So you can go, if someone is, for every person who is streaming live on Facebook that has a publicly facing uh, account, it's being mapped and it's available for anyone to see. You don't even have to log in to my knowledge. Oh, wow. Well, that might explain how, uh, was it Shia LaBeouf uh, with his uh, streaming uh, live feed? I heard he had some problems of his Trump protests of people finding his location. Very well may be the the case. Uh, uh, I disavow any knowledge, quite frankly. I have no interest in Interfering with the Hollywood crazies, but absolutely, I uh, the fifth on that as much as possible. Exactly, but it it does bear a reminder that it all is not always what it seemed. If nothing else, WikiLeaks uh, CIA dump has you know, even if a third of it is true, it's a lot to keep in mind. Well, it is. Uh, Joe, any parting thoughts other than? check you out on Twitter and go to your website and keep up with the updates? Uh, I apologize. I'm about to sound like the Micro Machines man because I'm going to tell you everywhere that I plan on speaking. But before I do that, I work for a company out of Knoxville, Tennessee called Sword and Shield. You can find that website, swordshield.com. If you'd like a consultation, secure me at swordshield.com. I'm an enterprise security consultant, so if you want to uh, improve your security posture, I might be your guy. Contact us if you want any more information. With that being said, my further my future speaking engagements are March 30th with the Nashville ISC Squared chapter, uh, April 7th through the 9th at InfoSec Southwest in Austin, Texas, uh, April 22nd, B-Sides Nashville, April 29th, B-Sides Charm in Baltimore, um, 29th and 30th, actually. Uh, I will be attending and possibly speaking at B-Sides Knoxville on Cinco de Mayo, uh, May 9th through the 11th is Circle City Con, and uh, as Liz said, Hacker Summer Camp, B-Sides Las Vegas um, in July. Uh, also, uh, I will be speaking at the Edge Conference that Sword and Shield uh, puts on in 
October, October 17th and 18th, Knoxville, Tennessee. Tickets are on sale now. Go to SwordShield.com for more information. Uh, and, yeah. I was going to say, uh, somewhere in there, you're going to find time to vacation or have a personal and listen to more Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz because we come to you each Wednesday on America's Web Radio as well as iTunes. But thank you, Joe, for joining us. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Catch us next time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.